What's your vibe? Our vibe is science, and this is SciVibe. I'm your host, Nick Hennon, and I'll be bringing you behind the scenes at Pacific Northwest National Laboratory, where we are inventing the future. The future. Our scientists are outsmarting cyber criminals, repelling bio threats, and so much more. That's our vibe. Join us for this episode of SciVibe and find out what's in your future. Welcome to SciVibe. I'm your host, Nick Hennon, and today we're going to be talking about dust and snowmelt. Working with NASA, researchers from PNNL found that dust plays a larger role in high-altitude snowmelt in the Himalayas than previously thought. With me is atmospheric scientist Wing Chen. Good afternoon, Wing, and thanks for taking time today. Thank you, Nick, for having me. Of course. You studied snow in the Himalayas. And why is that interesting? So many years ago, our family had a vacation in、uh, Banff National Park in Canada. We visited the Columbia Icefield Glacier, and we caught a walk on the glacier. It's it's an unforgettable experience. So it's my first time so closely to observe the glacier. I could see many details. The glacier is not as white as we see from very far distance. I could see some place very dirty, many black stuff, and I could see the、uh, melting water on the ice. This inspired me. How about for those large glaciers? Canada is a very clean country. How about those more polluted regions like、uh, Himalayas? That's really fascinating. So, what did you find? How does dust and dirt affect snow in the Himalayas? So, when sunlight comes to the surface, portion of sunlight reflected back to the space, but a portion of left on the surface to warm the、uh, earth. So, when sunlight come to the snow, ninety ninety five percent of the energy reflect back to space. However, when the snow getting dark or getting dirty, more sunlight absorbed by the snow surface. Which would accelerate the snow melting. That's how it it works. So him, you know, Himalaya is between India and China. Both are very polluted with very high pollutants emission. And also in the、uh, upwind side of Himalaya, they have a desert area, including Middle East,、uh, Sahara, and、uh, India, Pakistan itself. A lot of dust could through the long distance transport and、uh, being deposited. Over the Himalaya mountain. So help me out here. How can dust melt snow? Yeah, dust itself sounds like not really relevant to the snow melting. However, because dust mixed with snow, which makes the snow surface dark, absorbing more sunlight, absorbing more energy, which create a favorable condition. Those energy will be used to accelerating snow melting. That's how it works. So, where does the dust come from? So, based on our study, both from satellite imagery and the, and the modeling, the dust being deposited over the snowpack in the glacier in Himalaya mainly come from the upwind of Himalayas, which including the Middle East like Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, and Tar Desert, and even very small portion from Sahara dust. Okay, the big effect of dust seems surprising. Did it surprise you too? Yes, I'm also surprised. Although we already know dust will accelerate snow melting, but、I、didn't expect impact will exceed the black carbon's impact at high elevation 
uh, which highlighted an increasing uh, contribution of dust to snow melt as the snow line rises uh, with warming. Is this a process that's only in the Himalayas, or do you think it might be happening elsewhere too? It could be somewhere else, including uh, United States. But the impact, the amount of dust and the impact of dust may not be uh, such big as the uh, Himalayas, but we'll need more study. We don't know yet, actually. Is there anything we can do to stop or prevent this? What we can do is uh, slow down the climate change, slow down the earth's warming, and keep land green and moist. But you know, all those are very, very difficult. Yes, for sure. When did you start looking at the effects of dust and dirt on snow? Wasn't it around 20 years ago? Mm, around, I would say, uh, 15 years ago. And at that time, uh, after I, my trip back from Banff, as I just mentioned, I wrote a small proposal to our lab, get funded. So around 2006, we started this uh, work. But at that time, is just uh, focus on some area in uh, United States, Western U.S. Yeah. I know you used computer models and satellite imagery. Did you get a chance to go to the Himalayas and see the dust for yourself? It's very close. Not to the top of the Himalaya, but to the foot of the Tibetan plateau, uh, including a mountain Yulong, which is uh, higher than 15,000 feet already. And uh, I look at those polluted glacier and really have a very close contact with the polluted glacier in the, this area. Is it fair to say, Wing, that as the climate continues to warm, the impact of snowmelt will become greater? Yes, and the contribution from dust and its impact on glacier were even getting bigger. How do you study it now? I mean, I can't imagine you can go to the Himalayas all the time. Right. We mainly rely on the satellite data, which is really powerful, can look at uh, very big spatial coverage and can continuously monitoring for many, many years. Now we at least have, have uh, more than 15 years of data over Himalaya, but also have a very powerful computer modeling thanks to the uh, DOE high-performance computer. Uh, we can do very detailed uh, modeling simulation. So are you able to look like in real time, are you able to see what's happening now? Yes, we, every day the satellite overpass the region twice. We can see what happened that day, but every day the change is smaller. Uh, if we look at those uh, day by day or year by year, we can see, the, see a trend. When you're looking at that, is there anything that stands out like an aha moment where you're like, wow, this is really incredible. I can't believe what I'm looking at here. Yeah, you, you may remember we shared a photo with a different color to represent the level of uh, dirty of snow and the glacier. You can see incredible colorful map, which means how polluted, how dirty those snow and the glacier. And it was, it was striking, wasn't it? Yeah, it's really striking. How did you come to work at PNNL? Oh, that was 20 years ago. Actually, this week is my 20 years service at the PNL anniversary. Awesome. Uh, I moved from Italy, northern part of the Italy, in September of 2000. Yeah, I was hired as a postdoc uh, working with uh, Lupi Lang in regional climate modeling, focused on the hydroclimate over Western US, how snow melt affect like a water cycle in the North Pacific, Northwest region, including. 
you know, our region is the water in, for example, Columbia River, Snow, Snake River really also depends on the snow melting. So I started from those kind of issues starting almost 20 years ago, but at that time we didn't uh, put too much attention on the role of the uh, dust or black carbon in, in snow melting. But it's overall hydrologic uh, issue, yeah. So all of this really started with that one visit to see the glacier with your children, you know, sort of your aha moment. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? How you came to be inspired, you know? Yeah, it's, it was the first time. It's really wonderful experience. It's the first time I can, you know, walk. Actually, the tour bus, a very big tour bus, can drive in over the glacier. So we can come out the bus and can walk and we can very closely look at those glacier melting and see those uh, black particles. Well, I don't know. I, at that time, I didn't know yet it's a dust or black carbon, but it's a dirty stuff inside those melting water and on, on the glacier. I remember the first time I had a chance to see the Rocky Mountains in the U.S. And it was actually the first time that I had witnessed the snow cap and the, and the melting glaciers in Glacier National Park as well on that trip. And I think one of the things that strikes my memory the most is when you are up close to that, there is so much dirt and dust. And you don't think of that in your head when you see the textbook explanation of glaciers. But when you witness it firsthand, and it's in front of you, and you see that, it's striking, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. That's why sometimes in some summertime or spring break, I like to bring my kids, go outside to see the nature, which may inspire their, you know, the future career, what they want to do. That's really important to me. That's fantastic. What's next? Oh, what's next is actually uh, we are almost done with the Himalaya study. But uh, uh, we recently founded by the NASA for another project, which focuses on uh, Western U.S. The, the title of the project is The Life Cycle of Snow in the Sierra Nevada, U.S., From Snowfall to Snowmelt and Effects on Endangered Bighorn Sheep. Oh, that sounds really interesting. What is it about this work wing that is so meaningful to you? Yeah, first, you know, as a scientist, or we very passionate with the science itself. We like to know more what's the mechanism inside those change. But certainly, we also care about the future of our Earth. So if our study or our research result can be useful for the public, for the policy makers, we will feel very happy with that. It's, it's very inspiring. Wing, thank you so much for your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Nick. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of SciVibe. This podcast is dedicated to sharing the excitement of discovery. If you had an aha moment while listening to SciVibe, please share this with your friends and subscribe today. Join us for another episode of SciVibe and find out what's in your future. The future.